Holy Spirit. So with that said, I want to say, um, I want to bring your attention to John, St. John chapter number one. And I'm going to be giving you the subject. And of course, I know this will be a blessing to you. The Lord spoke this word to me this morning. And of course, when God speaks, it's going to be in line with his word and his principle. The Bible says, hi. I want to tell you, I'm sorry I'm like my kids call me. That's okay. Is that okay? That's fine. Go, yeah. So good to have you. Uh, thank you. I'll be right there. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. St. John chapter number one, verse number one says, In the beginning was the word, glory to God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then it says, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse three says, all things were made by him. That's God, Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. Okay. The word says in him, Jesus Christ was life. And this is eternal life. That means life without end. And then it says, and the life was the light of all men. So the life of Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, provides revelation to who God is, what our purpose is, and basically that's it. And so it says right here in verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So I want to read John chapter 1, verse 1, okay, in verse, uh, the first few verses in the Amplified Bible. This is technically not a translation, but it is a paraphrase. And according to where we are reading from in John 1, it is not a violation of what God is saying about Jesus Christ. That's why I'm reading it. I'm careful in reading translations because translations, of course, you have to go back to the original word to make sure that they're translating it correctly. Okay? And so, so with that said, I want to read from the translation, or excuse me, from the paraphrase of the Living Bible. John 1, 1 says, Before anything else existed, glory to God, there was Jesus Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he did make. Eternal life is in him, and this gives light to all mankind. His life shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So that means no matter how this world will continue to wax worse and worse and get darker and darker, it will never ever extinguish or put out the light of Jesus Christ through his church, the bride of Christ. That's why he said in Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church, that word church is ecclesia. It means ek which means out of, and then, and, 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 and uh, uh, which means called. It's called out. 
So when people say I'm going to church, I've done it. That's really incorrect. We are having church because the church are the people that have been called and plucked out of the world. The system, meaning that we don't follow the guidelines of the world. We don't dance to the world's music. We don't, we don't follow the world's religion, and we definitely do not do worldly things. And so we're called out of the world into God's kingdom, and therefore we're under a different sphere of influence, which is the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. So with this said, he says, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. Now, I want to take a few minutes to give you the subject and the, and, and the title, and this is thinking. This is, I'm the type of preacher, I am a teacher, I've been given, gift, gifted by God to teach his word, and I am a teacher, but the teacher is the Holy Spirit, and there's something that he put on my heart this morning. He said, okay, I want to talk about the word today, but just imagine... And you don't have to answer this. This is this is a rhetorical question. It is something for you to do business with God in your heart. Just imagine what would it be like to live in a world without words? We can't imagine. To, to, we can't imagine. Because let's say, for instance, you couldn't have any interaction without words. You couldn't. How can you communicate? Because if, if you don't have words, then you don't have words. If you have no words, you have no expression. You see? And we understand this. People say, well, that's simple. But but you got to let, let God carry us. There'll be no interaction. There'll be no communication. So you could be literally, you could literally have an emergency. And if we lived in a world with no words, you would suffer because you couldn't communicate. Hey, I'm hurting. Or I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged. Nobody can know what's going on with you. Okay? What about living in a world without words, meaning no one would have a name? We call people by name. My mom and dad, they raised me. My dad's been deceased for two years. This, I think this would be the third year. And one thing that he, they taught me is when you address an adult, you don't say, hey, you. You say, Mr. or Mrs. and you call them by their first name. You don't call them by their play name because you are being disrespectful. That's just that's just good old fashioned child rearing. That's not my dad's philosophy. I believe that's what God that's what God says honor. So if they called my mama Moo Moo in the country and they didn't, I'm not supposed to be calling her Moo Moo because that is this, I'm putting her on the level of, now somebody that's her age can call her that if she has a relationship with like that. So guess to understand. So, so if we lived in a world without words, we couldn't even communicate. But what I was taught with communication is you say the person's name after you use the salutation Mr. or Mrs. So that means a world without words, when I see you, you wouldn't know if it's church services or not because there would, there's no such thing as the word church if there's no words. There would be no such thing as an RN a C, uh, or a CNA. There wouldn't be no such thing as a nurse. Now, they may be doing the work as a nurse, but say, well, I don't know what she's wearing. That, what, what is she wearing? You can even identify. Also, too, a word. If, if we lived in a world with no words, listen closely. No one would have a name. And cars. When you take a... 
you take a BMW, a BMW could not be a BMW because that would be, if, if we lived in a world with no words, there wouldn't be any alphabet. There would be, there would, so there'd be no distinction between a Porsche or a BMW or a utility vehicle or a truck or a car. It wouldn't be, a boat wouldn't be a boat because it would just be, it, it couldn't even be a thing because thing is a word. You see what I'm saying? You see how confusing it would be if we lived in a society where there were no words. What my wife is wearing is not a jacket. If we lived in a world without words, that's just, I, I don't know what that would be. You see what I'm saying? So there would be no identification, you see, because without words, there's no identification. Without words, you can even tell your children apart because they all just be, they just be. Because words, uh, uh, living in a world without words, that means they wouldn't have their own individuality. They wouldn't have their own names. Isn't that amazing? There'd be no such thing as being mean or being kind. There'd be no such thing as even behavior. Now, when you really think about that, see, it's hard for some people to think about that because we, well, that, that, that's horrible. That would be horrible. So God allowed us to live in this world, even if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be no car, there wouldn't be any sky, there wouldn't be any house, there wouldn't be anything. There would be no classification. There would be no such thing as an ignorant person. There'd be no such thing as a person with wisdom. There'd be no such thing as poor. There'd be no such thing as rich. I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture by the person of the Holy Spirit because God is simply saying, why did God allow us to have words? To be able to identify things. To be able to speak. They say, oh, he is so kind. So kind is a classification of behavior that a person exhibits to another person, which makes life. It, wouldn't it be better if people? I remember there was a time where people used to be so kind. People are so mean today. And I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying this is a pleasant place because when you go into the world, someone, you could be getting over into the other lane and someone would honk the horn and yell obscenities out. And you're just simply driving. You didn't know you were getting over, but we live in a mean world. So when somebody is kind, God says, why? Because I, he allowed us to live in a world to have words to be able to communicate good things, to let us know between right and wrong. To let us know this is right, this is wrong. This is elegant or this is acceptable, this is unacceptable. Okay? So, so, so you say, well, what does this mean and how does this apply to the message of Jesus Christ? The Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Now, Jesus Christ is the personification of God's word. So whenever the word of God came on the scene, because simply, how did Jesus come about? He is the incarnate Christ. The Holy Spirit brooded over Mary's womb and then she conceived of that Holy One, which is Jesus Christ, okay? And, and therefore, that's when he came forth. And by the way, he came forth. He did not begin with Mary. Joseph was not Jesus's uh, biological father. He was his legal father, which made him basically legal father. You say, what's the difference between legal father and, and biological father? Well, the thing is, is that that means that Joseph had no part in the procreation of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was not created. He was already in the beginning before there was the beginning. He was already there. So therefore, many people don't understand that the miracle of Jesus Christ was not in his birth. The miracle was in the conception in which by which he came forth into the world. 
Jesus was born like any other baby. Mary's water, a Jewish girl, her water had to break like any other woman in order for Christ to come. So the miracle is not in the birth. The miracle is in the conception by which she conceived of Jesus, which was directly from God through the Holy Spirit that brooded over her, over her, very, over her very womb. And then there came forth our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice something. Because of that, you say, well, what does this mean? How does all this apply? If we live in a world that we understand the basic teachings that we need words and the importance of word in this world to communicate, to love, you can't really operate love anyone or express it if you don't have words. So why do we see the need for physical words, the alphabet, to be in this life and the importance of it, but we don't we don't really understand, some of us do, the importance of the word of God in our life. Without the word of God, we can't communicate to people. Without the word of God, we don't know really what righteousness is. Without the word of God, we don't know what holiness is. Without the word of God, we don't know what 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 actually is of God and what's not of God. Because it says here that he was it says that in him was life and his life was the light of men. So because of the word, it's, it, it brings forth revelation of knowing what is right, what is wrong. Okay, let me share something with you. Second Timothy 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the inbox and the download. Second Timothy 3. God does that to me. He gives me inboxes and downloads. That means he puts things in my spirit to speak to me and it's his word. And therefore, I do not have Second Timothy 3.16 on these notes, but it's because of his word, the word, his spirit inside of me speaks to me to take the people, to take you to 2 Timothy 3.16, we'll see in one way in which that we need his word. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration of God, those words mean God breathed. Some of you have had this happen in life before. Some You say something and someone else, you hear what they say you said and you'll say I'm being honest with you and I'm not being rude, but that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Well, no, you said that. No, I did say that, but the way you conveyed what I said, you should have told them to come to me because I know what I meant when I said what I said. It's not being rude. It's to, cre it's, it's to cut out confusion. And guess what he's saying? All scripture is God breathed. There are people that are standing up Sunday morning and everywhere, this is not every church, and if they're not speaking what God's saying, God is saying, I didn't say that. You have to go to church to be saved. I didn't say that. You have to be born in a certain family or have a certain amount of money or have a certain status to be saved. I didn't say that. That means it came out of the very mouth of God. Notice something. The word is so important. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And watch, he says this, it is profitable. Something, one thing I know about, is I'm an electrician by trade and have my own business for 18 years. And, and, and one thing I noticed about, uh, uh, I mean, that I learned simply about business is you want profits. You, you don't want to lose money. You want to make money. You want to provide an honest service to help people, to solve people. Because that's what it is. I'm an electrician. If you have something not working in your home or have a bedroom down or maybe you need a new service or you need a panel change out, I am in existence 
for the customer to solve their electrical problems and to make sure that everything is safe in their home, and then I, I receive a wage for that, okay? So what happens is, therefore, guess what? As I do that and follow God's words, the Bible says, the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Penury simply means to lack. But labor yields profit. I don't really put much stock in people talking. Oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I don't really get moved by that. It's, it's seeing people work. God says that brings profit. So, and that means even laboring God's word. So God is saying, my word, if you really understand it, it will bring profit to your life. Those of you that have been walking with the Lord any length of time, God's word brings profit. Do you know what? I'm receiving the benefits of staying in God's word and staying faithful. Even my family, been, been, we've been here in Sherman for about 15 weeks. God has allowed us to meet you lovely people in such a short period of time. But it is because of sowing and giving our hearts to the word of God. And God is saying, I will take your gift and bring you before great men and women. If you follow my word and your heart is right and you hide your word in my heart, I will make sure that I put you in the vicinity of people that need to hear the truth and that are refreshed when you really bring the unadulterated word of God. At the same time, I will not put you before people if you are taking my word and twisting my word and saying things that I'm not saying in my Bible. Because he says, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, means it's God-breathed, and it's profitable. What is it profitable for? It's profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. Doctrine simply means teaching. He says it's profitable for reproof. That's what's not right. It's profitable for correction. That's how to get right. It's profitable for instruction. That's how to stay right in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or complete unto all good works. In other words, he's saying the word of God will tell you what is right. The word of God will tell you what is not right. The word of God will tell you how to get right. And the word of God will tell you how to stay right. I do not listen to preaching, and I don't say this with any apology. If you can't tell me in the word where the word says I'm not supposed to do this, and you only tell me good things, then that's not God's preaching. It says right here in the scripture, God's word, when he is speaking by his spirit, he will tell you what is right, tell you what is not right. He will tell you even how to get right. He will tell you how to stay right. That means sustain. If I bought a new car today off the showroom floor and I say, well, I don't need an oil change. I don't need to feel the, feel the uh, fluid or anything like that. I don't need any more antifreeze. I may not need none at the time. But I don't care how new the car is. The car is going to need maintenance in order to have longevity of life. It doesn't matter about what kind of car it is. So what am I saying? If we don't have the word of God and allow it to maintenance our life to tell us what is right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right, we will not end up well. Some of you are living witness that the word of God has kept you in your mind. The word of God has kept you when you've seen many people die. Some of you have even probably been at a time in your life where you think you would make it and God's word is the sustaining power of your life. It, it sustains your very spirit. Some have been through divorces and been through breakups. Some of you have lost physical things such as homes. You've lost relationships. You've lost loved ones. Some of you are survivors, glory to God. 
as a result of people in your family. Some of you had brothers and sisters or nieces and nephews, and guess what? You are a survivor, and you have no point of reference, but you know what keeps you going every day? It is God's unadulterated word. It is the presence of God in your life. This is why I know that I'm, a, I'm an imperfect vessel in myself, but I know as long as I stay next to God in his word, then God's going to tell me, Andre, you're wrong, but I'm going to tell you how to get right. I'm going to sustain you. When you don't do everything right, I will enlighten you and show you if your heart is open. This is why many people wonder and they look at people's lives. They say, why my life not like theirs? You have to have a heart that's open to receive truth and correction. If a person has a, it, it feels a certain kind of way when they get an X or they don't like nobody to tell them they're wrong, you're not going to make them in school or college. I remember being in school and, and, and yes, my teacher checked the answers that I got right, but she also put a big X when I got them wrong. She didn't put an X because I was a bad student. She didn't put an X because I was ignorant. She put an X and then she spent time after the test and she worked out problems. She said, raise your hand and according to what problem? And I say, ma'am, I got number six wrong. And she says, okay, what kind of formula we need for number six? Does anybody know what we need to do first? She had to point out the wrong answers in order for future tests so that I would be able to pass them. God's word is not designed to beat us or make us feel bad. It is to cause us to see that we need his word in our life. So we see that without the word of God, we have no direction. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Do not lean to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. And guess what? He will direct your path. How are we directed through God's word? Do you know you cannot have a proper prayer life without God's word? People say, yes, you can. Okay, well, what are you praying? No, you can't. You can't. You cannot. No, you cannot. If I can talk to a person that's Chinese, but I can't speak Chinese, how can I have a meaningful conversation to a person that speaks another language? I can talk all day, but we're never going to connect because I'm not able to meet that person in their language. God has a, I can't just pray what I want to pray. I can't live any kind of way and say, God, I claim long life, health, and strength. Okay, but God says you can claim that. But if you're not walking in the light of what I've shown you, then you will never experience that. You never will. Notice something. You look at Isaiah. The Bible says that Isaiah had received a word from God through Isaiah, the prophet. He said, prepare your house and set your house in order. Isaiah turned his face to the wall. And he began to speak to the Lord. Many people will use this prayer, but what they fail to understand is the Lord spoke to the prophet after I, while Isaiah was speaking to God. But what was Isaiah saying to, I mean, Isaiah saying to God? He was not reminding God, but putting before God, God, I served you. I've done what you've asked me to do. I know I'm not so perfect. This is in layman terms. And because of his sheep put shoe leather to what he was saying, it wasn't just God saved my life or I claim my own life. It was because based on what he was saying was true and accurate, God spoke to the prophet. He had just delivered the word to him. And he turned around and he said, go give Isaiah a word. And he said, tell him I've added unto his life 
15 years. Now, any person living in the kind of way can't just go to God like that and use that prayer. There are people that do that. Oh, you just pray this prayer at this time. And then, so, so based on, guess what? When we connect with God, that means we are living his word. When his word is lived out in our life, then guess what happens? Then guess what? We can have what we we can have what God has promised. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God in him, oh yes and amen. See, everything that we pray is not in him. It's not in him. Salvation is in him. So guess what? If a person says, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my savior, the seed of the word is to call upon the name of the Lord. And if we call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart, this speaks to my heart, is that God said it doesn't matter if a person is in a jail cell, if a person's in a mental asylum, if a person is in a nursing home, if a person is uh, oh, manic, they have, they have manic depression, post-traumatic syndrome, because guess what? The gospel message is so powerful that it will penetrate whatever a person is, whatever condition that they have. And guess what God said? He said, my word is the seed. And if you call upon me, what does he say he's going to do? He says, I will save you right where you are. So because that's based on God's word. Let me give you something else before we go down here. So, so the thing is, look at Psalm 30. I'm going I'm to speak from Psalm 30 and uh, verse number five. This is so important. In other words, if we lived in a world without the word of God, we would be in trouble. Okay, notice Psalms 30 and 5 says, excuse me, Proverbs 30 and 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Proverbs 30 and 5. I can quote it, but I like looking at it and I'm going to read it, okay? God bless you. Proverbs 30 and 5 says, every word of God, it is pure. Every, he said, every word of God. Notice it didn't say that every word spoken by man that says it's God's word is pure. It said, no, every word of God is pure. So that means, what does it mean it's pure? That means it is, nobody has tainted it. What it says, it means, and what it means, it says. He said, every word of God is pure. Now watch this, you can't miss this. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. This is so awesome. You know why? You know what he's saying? He's saying every word of God is pure. And you know what he says it serves as? It serves as a shield to protect us from hurt, from harm, from danger, from calamity. Now notice something. When a person gets insurance on their vehicle, what is it that gives us peace after we get the paperwork, after we get the insurance on our vehicle or our home. It is the words on the contract that they say that they're going to cover you. We're going to do comp collision. We're going to do full coverage. So guess what this means? Living in a world without words, we may think this is just so simple of a message, but we would be lost without words in a society. So therefore, guess what? You ever had paid for something and then somebody say, uh, you had to say, ma'am, look, I need a receipt with that. Why do you need a receipt? <laughs> what would you do? I was, no, I, I, why would you ask me that? A receipt is going to serve as evidence that there's been a transaction here and I paid you that money. Okay, we can do an electronic receipt. I need something. Let me submit my email to you. What is the purpose of that? Because on that receipt is going to be words 
that say, okay, this is the date, this is the time, this is what they paid for, this is how much they paid, here's that debit card number, so guess what? That piece of paper is going to serve as your evidence if you need to take them to court or what have you to be able to prove you paid for that particular service. So now what if we lived in a world that wasn't that we didn't have words? You remember they used to say, uh, and it was true, that you used to go do things on a handshake? <laughs> I tell people today, you can keep your hand. I need it in writing. Oh, I'm going to pay you. I know you're going to pay me because we're going to we're going to come up with a uh, what they called um, mm, a contract. A contract has words. A contract has. To, and how many do you know? Before you buy anything, it's always good to have a lawyer that you can pick up the phone and call. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to say, "This is what they showed me, and I need you to let me know: Is this valid? Is this true?" And that lawyer who is who knows the law. And guess what the law has to do? I had a, um, and before I close, I just need to share this with you. I had a, um, a, a professor that actually was my pastor. He was professor over all of uh, uh, the Southern Baptist uh, uh, Seminary and Extension. And I'll never forget him. His name is Dr. Cliff Estes. He was a lawyer before he, even when he was a young preacher, he was a lawyer. He said, you know what they first, the first assignment as a lawyer, I'm talking about actually practicing law, was he said, we were responsible for reading the first five books of the Bible because within that contained God's law. You need to know now that is dealing with the moral law. So guess what? If you go to any lawyer and you go in their office, maybe for a free consultation, I'm going to be looking for a library. If you lead people or if you've got any kind of knowledge, you're going to have some kind of library filled with words and books that I'm trusting you that the law says this. So if you go to your lawyer and you show him a contract and, and, and he says he gets back with you, he said, Mrs. Matthews, you have nothing to worry about. It's legitimate. Or if he gets back with you or she gets back with you and say, look, we're going. This is no good. Or they stated something in this. And so in other words, and they may be able to counsel you and say, I'm not sure that you want to go move forward with this because you're not guaranteed to make any money off of this. This is the purpose of words. So how many do you know to understand this? You say, well, what does lawyers have to do with the word of God? It's just an illustration. When the enemy tells us things, when you hear something that sounds good and it's not God's word, you can know God's word like that lawyer can take a letter, a contract, and he holds it up against the law books. We can hold it up against the word of God and say, that's not really what I want to do. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah. And guess what it does? It shields you from a liability. And then you can kindly, you don't have to be rude, say, look, I really thank you. But I'm not interested, okay? Thank you so much. And you know, so you will know we can't move forward because that's going to cost me money. Or, we, or if I give you my money, that's not going to secure me with the insurance that I'm going to be safe, so I'm not going to do that, okay? And you don't even have to go into it. You just say, hey, I just don't feel comfortable with moving forward, and I'm going to move on from here. That's it. That's it. So the Word of God is the same way. The Word of God protects us and shields us uh, uh, let's say this too as well. He, he, when he says his word is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. You ever had thoughts of not, of just maybe identity? 
where you are saying, you know, I, I uh, 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 any kind of intimidation. The enemy sometimes tries to intimidate you, or, or, or let's say, for instance, that you're hurting and you don't, you don't really feel like getting out of bed or whatever like that. You can go into God's word and you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Now, I'm hurting right now, but that is simply a symptom. I'm not going to allow my pain or going to allow my past or going to allow something that someone said to me to discourage me. Because when I go back to God's word, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm kept by the power of God. I know that if God be for me, then who could be against me? Some of you have had things that come against you when you were, uh, uh, you know, at a, at a former time. And you say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Whatever, whatever that is, you can always go back to God's word and say, you know what, Lord? You said to trust in you with all my heart and do not lean to my own understanding. Because he says within his word in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you don't have to figure out tomorrow. He said in Matthew 6, sufficient unto this day is the evil thereof. You, you ever worried about something in your past or even recently? And you say, I just don't know how that's going to work out. And it's not that you don't know the Lord and you don't love the Lord, but guess what ends up happening? God says you should have just left that alone and the thing worked itself out. It worked itself out. So basically what? God is saying in Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord for he shall sustain thee. All I'm simply saying is this. We understand clearly that we cannot live in this world without words because life would be no meaning if you couldn't communicate, if you had no names of nothing. Why do we think we can live in this same world without God's word? We can't do it. And, and I would say this, and I am I, I'm sensitive in saying this, but I'm bold in saying this. To come and to live in this life and be born in this world and die without knowing the word Jesus Christ, it had been better not to be born. Because that means I have to spend a Christless eternity without the one that made me, created me, and wanted me to have a good life. It's been better because then now I don't have to suffer. So I'm not saying that I cur I'm cursing life. But somebody going to hell, that's condemnation. To not know God. My heart goes out. This is why I know me and my wife, we do what we do. And my children, and they'll understand it later, is there's nothing else greater than God's word. Nothing. No amount of money. No house, no car, and it's okay to have things in life, but we need God's word. There are people that are millionaires, billionaires, have all kinds of estate, properties, and they are the most loneliest people, suicidal. Not because they're bad people, it's because of the absence of God in their life. That's why we believe in preaching the gospel, sharing hope with people, giving people even something to consider before they die, because it, it's going to be, the answer is going to be resting with them. We're not to push the gospel on people, but we are to present it in such a way that guess what God says? You know what? He says in Ephesians 6, how beautiful are the feet of them that carry good tidings and bring peace to people. This is what we need to bring, especially in the nation and everything we went through in the country. I'm talking about for years, for years. I wouldn't want to live no other place than America, even with all of its issues. But we need God's word. We need good preaching. One of the giant preachers, I would say giant, I say giant, I know, I know it's not, I'm not worshiping it, was Charles F. Stanley. When I got saved over 24 years ago, I was just attracted to his teaching because it was so practical. He would sit down 
on his broadcast. He would stand up, read the word of God, and he would sit and teach the people in the church of Atlanta. And one thing he used to say that really ministered to me, he says something that his mother left with him and she was a faithful believer and taught him how to pray and taught him the word of God. He said, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Now, I don't know about you. You cannot obey God outside of his word. So I want to encourage you. Do you know the word? And I'm not saying just know the Bible, but do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? I'm sure that some of you, my spirit identifies that you know the Lord. I want you to know, my wife and I want you to know the Lord loves you today. The Lord is willing to meet you wherever you are today in your life. And that, excuse me, and that he has a plan and a purpose. Now notice something, because, because you have lived some time. I don't believe in call, calling elderly people old people because that's not nice and I want to make it back out of here and I will always want to be your friend, but know something. It is a blessing to be able to know God because even the people that are coming in that may not be related to you, you may have something that God puts on your heart to say to them that can change their lives forever. God's word comes in so many different forms through many people. So I want to encourage you, keep sharing the word. And if you don't know Christ in the part of your sins, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you don't, I'm not sure if you died today that you would go to heaven, this is eternity waiting. And, and once we die, there is no other opportunity to come to know the Lord. So I want, we want to invite Christ to you today. If that's you, would you let us pray with you? And then we'll take your prayer request. Say, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, with every head bow and every eye closed, say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Far from your grace. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe him. That he died on the cross for me. And that he has a plan for my life. I place my faith. And my trust. In the Lord Jesus. For salvation. And eternal life. I want to thank you Lord for saving me and looking upon me to give me your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe, if you pray that prayer, we believe you got born again. Is there anyone here that would like for my wife or myself to pray for you? Do you have any prayer requests, maybe concerns or anything that's on your heart? We're going to, of course, pray for our president. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for, of course, the police. I believe you're praying for police and the Bible talks about praying for all those uh, kings, which means we don't have any kings anymore. In Bible times, they had kings. But we pray for people in, in leadership places that have a great influence. And we also want to pray for our fire department, our police officers, uh, and public servants. Uh, is there anybody else have any prayer requests that you would like to release to my wife or myself?